the world, even Africa tunes in uh, every day to watch. So hello, Kennedy, and all those that are there at the school in Africa. God bless you. So today's message is entitled Radical Surrender, and it's not so much about what you're going to receive today, although you will be receiving the Word of God. It's more about what it's going to cost you. It's more about hearing what God requires for us to live radically surrendered lives. And what we've surrendered to the Lord isn't radical unless it's exactly what he's asked for us. Radical surrender. Can you say radical surrender? Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need your anointing to begin to preach the word that you have given me, God. May it be articulated in such a way that if someone's hearing this, the gospel for the first time, they'll understand it, or the 1,000th time, they'll understand it. And Lord, I pray for obedience today, God. I pray that this word, God, would stir up obedience in the hearts and minds of the people who are about to hear it. I pray that they will begin to count up the cost, what you're asking for, what you're asking for us to surrender to you, God, and may we be willing to do it. Because Jesus Christ surrendered his best for us. He gave us his life. When we were unworthy of it, he gave us his life. And now that he's asking us to surrender things to him, we cannot say that about him. We cannot say that God is unworthy. He is worthy. And anything that he asks us for, we should be willing to cheerfully give it, for the Lord loves the cheerful giver. Lord, now I pray for the hearers of this word. Let an anointing be upon each of these hearers and listeners to your word to say that as faith comes by the hearing of the word, Lord, I choose to obey you. I choose to surrender to you all that you're asking me for so that I might have all of you. Father, help them. Satan, the Lord rebuke you now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke heaviness now. I rebuke every sin that is currently active in the people that I'm speaking to right now, including myself. I come against every stronghold that is active in the lives of the people that I'm about to talk to, including myself now in the name of Jesus Christ. For the word of God says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Church, say, I am free indeed. Lord, I thank you for freedom in this house today. And may this word hit the, entire, the mark in which you have set. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Radical surrender. We've talked about radical joy. We've talked about radical love. We've talked about radical worship. And what we must begin to uh, understand as we get into radical surrender, the name of the series is The Radical Life. What we must begin to understand as we talk about radical surrender is that when it comes to God, you must give up something. Good to see you, Sister Dinah. Welcome. You must give up something in order to receive something. So if you want heaven, you must give up your sins to receive his salvation. We give up something first so that we can then receive what God has for us. We give up death so that we might receive life. We give up corruption so that we might receive incorruption. We give up mortality so that we might receive immortality. If you, if you don't catch the drift yet, 
what you give up is what you get is always greater than what you give up when it comes to God. So when your surrender is radical, your blessings are radical. When you surrender faithfulness to God, the faithfulness that God shows you is also radical as well. So this radical surrender will be life-changing if we do it, but it's expensive. It's expensive to serve God. It's expensive to belong to God because it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to give up something. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane saw how expensive it was going to be to die on the cross. And he said for a moment from his fleshly place, Lord, if there's any other way, would you allow me to go that way? But then he said, you know what? He just looked at the Father. God is so loving and so kind. God has promises to fulfill to us. And he was able to look at the Father and say, you know what? Nevertheless, this is what radical surrender sounds like. It's not a popular message. You might not shout for joy unless you get revelations here and there. This isn't a happy, happy, joy, joy message unless you get the revelation of it. Because it's going to cost you something. And most people are cheap. When it comes to God, most people are very cheap. They want to give him just the, the, the smallest amount possible and want to receive just these abounding blessings toward them, but want to give him the smallest. When what you give is small, is great only when that was your all. When small is your all, it becomes great. But when small was just a drop in the bucket, then it's just a smack in the face of God because he knows how much we have. One of the first visions I ever had from God, I was laying on my back in a walk-in closet in Columbus, Ohio, and I was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I had a vision of me laying in the desert just like I was laying in my closet, and I lifted up a rock to God. And I saw the hand of God come down from heaven, this big arm, and just smacked it out of my hand. I was like, man, God, what was that? And it began to give me the revelation of it. Sometimes we say we're giving God our heart, but really it's just a rock. Really it's just something else. We say, here, God, here's our best, and he smacks it out of our hand. Because he knows the difference between a heart and a rock. He knows the difference between your best and your least. And what he's asking us for today is for radical surrender. Let's keep going. The definition of surrender is this, to yield to the power of another, to give up or deliver up possession upon compulsion or demand. To surrender means to say, you know what, your power is greater than my power. So I lay down my weapons. I lay down my resistance. Say this with me, Lord. Lord. Help me lay down my resistance. See, that's when an army, when an army surrenders, they put down their guns, right? They stop fighting for, their, for themselves and say, you know what? Your power is greater than our power, so we surrender. We wave the white flag. So I think some of us, I think some of us want a savior, 
but we haven't surrendered to his lordship. You see, we don't want to go to hell, so we want those sins removed. Lord, take away my sins, but as far as the rest of my life, I'm going to hold on to this. I'm going to still be Lord over this. And God is saying, no, I want radical surrender. I want all of you to yield to all of me. And that's what Jesus said. If you want to be my followers, pick up your crosses and deny yourself and follow me. Amen. So surrendering all. What does it look like? Let's go to Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40, please. Surrendering all. This is a message that if we obey it fully, I believe it will give us a greater revelation of the opportunity we have to enter into heaven for all of eternity. You see, we don't set the parameters of our entrance into heaven. God has told us how to get there through his son, Jesus Christ. So we must do everything that he's required of us to do. And whatever he says, that's what we do because he has the words of life. So we must fully be obedient to the spirit of God and the word of God to receive the blessings of God. It takes absolute surrender. And what my heart's desire today for you to do is to search yourselves for those things in which you have not fully surrendered to God and say, God, there's still some things I'm holding on to that fully don't belong to you. And here's the danger. If we seek to save our lives, we lose them. But if we lose them for his sake, then we find them. What in the world is worth losing your soul for here on earth? What thing are you willing to hold on to that God says, let it go if you want me? And we say, no, I think I want this more. Remember the rich young ruler approached Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor and come follow me. And what did the man do? He walked away sad because his, because his possessions were great. He was not willing to radically surrender his life to God, so he lost out on eternity. I don't want any of you to lose out on eternity. I don't want any of you to think that you are saved, but you are not saved. I don't want any of you to think that he is Lord, but he is not Lord. We must meet the qualifications of surrender that Jesus has set forth. We're in Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40. It begins. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love. You must. Okay. Say radical surrender. So when uh, the allied forces took over the Axis power in World War II and they said, okay, here are the conditions of your surrender. They said, you must. Can you say you must? So when there was a power, man, woo, when there was a power that is greater than you and they say you must, I don't think that's a suggestion. I don't think they're playing around. I think they, they are saying that you must because it means that if you don't, then you don't receive what I have for you. Listen, I want nothing to do with God's wrath. 
I would rather have his salvation. I would rather repent and have his love. And the greatest, the greatest tragedy in the history of, of all existence would be this. For people that think they are saved to stand before a holy God and hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But God, I went to church on Sunday. But God, I praised you. And, but God, I gave my tithe. But God, I did this. I never knew you. So if you want to know God now, then you've got to be willing to meet the requirements of his surrender because it's his salvation. It's his salvation that he is giving us. So he is also giving us the requirements of our surrender. So he says this, you must love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Here's the first reality check, brothers and sisters. And remember, I'm not yelling at you. I do get excited, but I'm not mad at you. I'm not yelling at you. I'm preaching to me just as hard as I'm preaching to you. Okay? Here's the first self-check we must do. And we got to be honest with ourselves. So Jesus said all. Love me with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. How many have some room for improvement in the building? And listen, church, we got to get it together. Like, what are we waiting for? We are dying and Jesus is coming. So we don't know which is going to happen first. So if we can all admit that we are not loving him with our all, then we've got to begin to determine and say, Lord, what haven't I surrendered to you? Let's keep going. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important, and this is a big one. Love your neighbor as yourself. And remember, this is a must as well. The devil in the past couple years has brought so much division in this world that it's crazy. Church people against church people. I mean, when it gets into the church, that's when you really know it's demonic. So there's just so many issues out there floating around in which it has turned brother against sister and church member against church member and uh, co-worker against co-worker, family. How many of you, how many have, have in, in their own family, have seen politics and vaccines and all that come and, and, and stir up garbage in your own families? The vast majority of us. So that's how we know that it's a demonic agenda. So to, to, to insert, to, to vacuum out love and insert something else. Because God, I mean, the enemy always has a counterfeit. All right. Let's keep going. Verse 40. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So. We've got to get to surrendering all. That should be our daily prayer. Lord, help me to surrender my love to you. All of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind. What does A-L-L spell? All. It wasn't a trick question. All. We got to get there. Because what did Jesus give? His all. So we've got to get there as well. The same way that he loved us, the Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, than to lay down your life for a friend. Amen? 
Father, I pray over them right now in the name of Jesus Christ that they would be able, that we would be able to surrender our all. We do not want to be like Ananias and Sapphira who said that they sold the land for this much but only presented this much at the feet of the apostles. They lied. We don't want to be liars. We don't want to say, God, here's my all. I love you with all my heart, all my mind, and all my soul, but it be a lie. I pray, God, right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would expose us, God, because I would rather be exposed on earth than exposed in heaven. So, Lord, would you expose us now? Those of us that that admitted that, hey, you're not getting all of me. Lord, would you show us those sections of our lives which we withhold from you that we might enter into eternity by obeying your commands. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The next part of radical surrender is releasing prisoners of war. And some of you have none. And maybe some of you have many. We've got to learn how to release our prisoners of war. What am I talking about? So as God gave me this message yesterday morning, he told me this. I, I, I asked the Lord to help me with radical surrender. And he told me that I have to release my prisoners of war, both the people and the issues that have brought me hurt over the entirety of my life. Um, Brother Cuffy, can you put your Bible down to come here? Don, Greg, Kyle, please, brothers, two of you, please come up here quickly. And just stand in a, in a row facing the crowd straight across. And just scoot up a little bit right there. Just stand in a row straight across. Prisoners of war. Prisoners of war. God told me that I have to release my prisoners of war. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. And the Bible says this, Lord, even before we go here, I need your Holy Spirit to just begin to do a great work in our minds and in our lives. God, there's some deep hurts that some of us have. There's some deep injuries, some deep wounds, some embarrassing things that we don't even speak of. Some family hurt, some church hurt, some job hurt, God, that we all carry around. There are things that people have done to us, God, from the time we are a child to now. They hurt us, God. And my prayer in the name of Jesus is that you would allow us to see the faces of our prisoners of war. Those people that have hurt us and we've never forgot about it and never fully released them from it either. We say that we forgave them, God, but still in our hearts we carry these people as prisoners of war. Lord, in order to radically surrender to your love, we must be willing to radically surrender our love to others as well. So, Father, I pray that you would just through this demonstration show us the power of radical surrender as it relates to releasing our prisoners of war. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, and it says this. If, how many believe the Bible is the word of God and the Bible is true? Okay, so then we should obey it, right? And the Bible says, if 
you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Is that in your Bible? So that's truth, right? So while we know that we can ask Jesus Christ for forgiveness of all of our sins and he does it, there is a requirement right here that many people glance over. There's a requirement right here that many people say, ah, it gets fuzzy right there because the enemy brings, brings uh, remembrance to us about the hurts that we've endured. And you see, the things, the people that have hurt us, sometimes they're in our hearts, okay, and they're our prisoners of war. And we praise God and we worship God and we love God, but we still got prisoners of war. Those people that have hurt us in our lifetime, but we have not fully absolved them of the pain of of their hurt. Why? Because the pain is still active. If we think about it long enough, it'll start to hurt again. And it's like we see their faces injuring us all over again. So we have not fully forgiven them. And what happens when you don't fully forgive your prisoners of war? You see, we think that we have them in prison. But the truth is, the prison that we created for them is our prison. Because we want forgiveness from God. But the Bible says that if we are unable to forgive those who have sinned against us, then we can't be forgiven either. We become trapped behind those who haven't forgiven us. So in order to radically surrender, the first thing God told me to do, and I hope I have everybody's attention because this is huge, I don't want you leaving with strongholds. I don't want you leaving with demonic activity in your own heart. Yes, there are people that hurt you. And God never said that it wouldn't hurt that people couldn't hurt you. But what he said was, forgive them. Because if you want to be forgiven, then you must forgive them as well. And listen, I know this is a hard thing for some of you. Some of you have been molested. Some of you have been stolen from. Some of you have been violated. Some of you have been, had broken promises. Some of you have mother and fathers who have abandoned you. Some of you have been left to pay the bills and fend for yourself, for your family. And there are some deep, deep hurts inside of us. Some of you have active hurts. Some of you have hurts right now that are still there. And the Bible, and, and, and the Lord told me yesterday, my first step, so it must be your first step too, of radical surrender must be this. Forgive those who have sinned against you so that you might be forgiven as well. But you say, oh, Father, you don't know what they did to me. Yes, he does. Oh, Father, I was innocent and they hurt me anyway. Listen to Jesus from the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, listen, church. As you sit there, I want you to begin to think about your prisoners of war because we all got some. Those people that hurt us deeply in life that we really fully haven't forgiven. We really fully haven't dismissed it because it still hurts. But I tell you what, as long as you keep prisoners, you're a prisoner. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? So for a moment, I want you all to bow your heads and begin to pray and say, Father, do I have prisoners of war? And if I do, Father, help me to release them one by one. Just begin to pray. Thank you, Jesus. Search our hearts, Lord, for those prisoners of war. Those people that we said, I'll never forgive them. I'll never forgive them for what they did to me. I'll never forget them, forgive them for what they did to my dad. Or I'll never forgive them for what they did to my friend. Those are your prisoners. You might even be married to one of your prisoners of war. You might even be married to somebody that you struggle to forgive because they've hurt you so bad. You might have given birth to one of your prisoners of war. It could be one of your own children that have brought hurt to you that was so bad that you can hardly get over it. Who are your prisoners of war? Father, in the name of Jesus, As I release each of these men to go, one by one, I pray that you will begin to do it in the spirit as well. Lord, look over this crowd. And as I release these prisoners, everyone, you can look up now. As I release these prisoners of war, God, may each one in this building and each one watching as well say, Lord, I forgive all of my prisoners of war And the hurt that they put on me, I cast it on to you. Forgive me, Lord, for holding these prisoners of war. Father, I release them all to you so that I might be forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. So do you remember? Do you remember the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? And they surrounded her with rocks right? And Jesus stooped down and wrote something in the ground, and then he stood up and said this, all those without sin cast the first stone. And the Bible says one by one they dropped their rocks and they left, and he found the woman alone. And he said to her, woman, Where are your accusers? So this is what I say to you today by the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters of Christ, where are your prisoners? And just as empty as this stage is, I want you to make sure that you've released everybody that you have something against. Every prisoner of war that hurt you, you free them. Because now look at me. I have nothing blocking me from the forgiveness that I need. I know that there's some people that have hurt you deeply, but you've got to listen. You've got to also, when you surrender your heart to God, you've also got to surrender your hurt to God. Say this with me. When I surrender my heart, I must also surrender my hurt. Radical surrender. You see, the prison we create for others becomes the ones we're condemned to ourselves. And these issues 
take up space and become strongholds in which the enemy can build on. So what are some of the signs that you've had prisoners of war? Bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, strife, all those things that present you from loving them as God loves you. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17 says this. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now, I don't have the authority to teach you how to forgive other people out there, but we do have the authority to teach you how to forgive people in here. And listen, some of you don't like each other. You just flat out don't. And you don't even know why sometimes. Because it's something that the enemy has done. Listen, this junk has to leave. It can't be here. It can't be. There can't be people that you speak to every Sunday and others that you speak to on no Sunday. That's got to go. There can't be people that you can't have favorites in church. Do you hear what I'm saying? There can't be cliques in church. It's all got to go. It's just room for the enemy to operate, okay? If they hurt you in any way, and sometimes, here's how you know this is the devil. Because if I say, well, how'd they hurt you? Um, they didn't, I guess. So why? Um, I, I don't know why. I don't know. Search your hearts, okay? All of us can be guilty of that, all right? Let's move on. Radical surrender means this, that surrendered hearts become one. And that's what God is trying to do through this message is allow us to become one. Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35, surrendered hearts become one. Verse 32, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that they, what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. What kind of blessing? Great. Say it like you want one. What kind of blessing? Great. God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. And you might say, well, nah, that was then. I don't see that happening uh, right now. Well, listen to this. On last Wednesday night at our open heaven service at Cornerstone, it was towards the end of the service. Well, uh, the beginning of the service, God gave me a word that I did not share. And he said, there's a woman here, uh, not a woman, he said, there's a person here who has a bill that's due tomorrow. And I want you to raise an offering from the whole church so that we can pay that bill. So time went on, worship went on, prayer went on. And then as we were closing, he brought that word back to me. There's, a, there's someone here 
that has a bill that's due tomorrow, okay? And I want you to raise an offering so that the bill can be paid. And this is, this is exactly what used to happen in Acts. So I said, okay, God, man, I was really going out on the line, man. It wasn't my church. It's a word that I'm hearing. He gave it to me twice, okay? So I did it. I said, I said, hey, the Lord said that there's somebody here that has a bill due tomorrow, and we're supposed to raise an offering so that it can be paid. So let's do, and I asked the pastor when, I said, is this okay that if I do this? He said, yes, go ahead. All right, so we raised the offering. All right, the offering came in, and I gave the instruction. I said, listen, um, after the service, whoever that person is, please come up to me so we can get this taken care of. So we dismiss, and the crowd starts thinning out, and thinning out, and thinning out. And so I'm getting nervous, like, oh, God, we just raised all this money. I'm look like a fool, like, but I know God's voice. Listen to me. The enemy will always attack you the heaviest after you've obeyed God's voice. You got to know his voice. And so when the enemy is busy stirring up anxiety and nervousness in you after you've obeyed God, that should just be an exclamation point to say, okay, God, that was you. Because if it wasn't, the devil wouldn't be messing with me right now. But anyway, everybody left and we got in the car. And I told, and I even said this, I said, listen, don't be embarrassed. Don't let embarrassment rob you of this great blessing. But anyway, we dismissed, went on home, and I'm like, God, what was that? You know, I know you told me to do that. What happened? So just, I just left it in his hands. I, I, I fought a little bit, like, man, no, this is going to be so embarrassing. They're going to they're gonna say this about me. They're going to say that about me. The enemy just boom, 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 boom. I'm like, no, no, God, you told me to. So the next morning, I look on my email and messages, and a woman from the service sent me a message. And she said, the Holy Spirit has convicted me that I'm supposed to tell you that it was me. She said, the reason I didn't come up is because you said it was due the next day, but it's past due. And I told her, well, technically, it's still due the next day. <laughs> but anyway, the church last Wednesday, we raised $986.02 in that service. So we were able to pay her mortgage and pay some utility bills as well, and then still donate $125.01 to Neighborhood Thrift Relief Store. That's what happens, amen. That's what happens when surrendered hearts become one. Maybe just one of us couldn't have done that for her. But all of us together, we made it possible because we surrendered our hearts to God to become one. Radical surrender. A willingness to do what God is asking us to do when he's asking us to do it. Let's move on. The next part of radical surrender is, and does anybody have any rocks in here? Okay, they're back here. If anybody tries to get by you, tackle them, okay? Eliminating excuses is our next part of radical surrender. And I tell you what, let's just be honest. 
For everything God tells us to do, it seems like we got about seven excuses. So many excuses when it comes to giving God what he's asking for. So to surrender is to stop putting up a fight. We must stop resisting God. We must release our excuses because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Let's go to Luke 14, verses 15 through 24. It says this. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus, sitting at the table with Jesus, exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. So he was excited about heaven, excited about salvation, excited about eternal life with God. But Jesus is the revealer of our hearts. He knows the truth about us. And verse 16 says, Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. What were they making? Excuses. Excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. Oh, man, I just got a revelation about this. It's like God tells us to do something, and the Holy Spirit is our uh, great advocate. So the Holy Spirit is not only in communication with us, but in communication back with God, right? So when the Holy Spirit tells us to do something and we give an excuse or we resist, then God's servant, the Holy Spirit, is able to go back to him and say, here's what they said. If that don't hit you in the face, I don't know what will. That our excuses can be reported back to God to say, you told them to to, to do this. You told them to go to the soup kitchen and donate time. You told them to be a blessing to their neighbor. You told them to forgive that boss that's been mistreating them. But here's what they said. Let's keep going. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. And listen, church, this is a warning to those of you seasoned saints, those of you that have been around for a while, those of you that feel that, you know, uh, your, your, your sanctification is just so secure that you don't have to stoop down and wash feet anymore. This is for those of you that feel that, you know, uh, you're just so saved and so filled with the Holy Spirit that you can't humble yourself like Jesus did as a servant and begin to serve those who were lame and those with leprosy and those who were blind. None of you are so holy 
holy and to which or so anointed and to which that you can't humble yourself to be the servant of somebody else. Do you hear what I'm saying? And it's always the seasoned ones that I have the problem with. The new ones that come in, fresh from the street, fresh out of drug addiction, fresh out of promiscuity, they're the ones that come in with this radical surrender of their lives because they say, you know what? I know what God did for me, and I'm willing to allow him to use me to help other people. But it seems like the longer you serve God, the more forgetful you are about where you came from. And when we ask you to come and help us to go get the loss, there's always so many excuses about, well, I'll leave it alone. This is when the rocks would come out, so I'm going to skip that part. (laughs) Next part. We only got a couple more. The next thing we must surrender is ourselves fully. Romans 12 and 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Why? Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So we don't just worship him with song. We worship him with surrender. Um, Every morning you wake up, you surrender and say, God, my life is yours. Use me the way that you desire. John 6.38 says this, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. So to, so to, to surrender yourself fully to God means that you don't live life to fulfill your own will anymore. You do it to fulfill his will. The next thing we must do for radical surrender is learning to surrender what's required. So whatever God is asking for, that's what we give him so that we can receive the blessing. This morning, my son Drayden, came into my office and um, said, Dad, uh, I found this money in the car, $10 bill. I found this money in the car, and it was on the side you sat on last night, so I don't know if it was mom's or yours, uh, but here it is, $10, okay? It's a lot of money for a kid. It's a lot of candy. It was more candy 20 years ago, but still, it's a lot of candy now, too, all right? It will even buy you about two and a half gallons of gas right now. A lot more back then, but still a lot of money. So he sits the money on my desk. I said, thank you, son. I really appreciate you doing that. And just as I picked it up, and I was about to put it in my pocket, my my empty cash carrier right there. Not that I don't have money, but I don't have cash right now. And um, the Lord said, give it to him. Give it to him. So I said, son... Because you were honest with me and you did the right thing, God wants you to know that if you live this way, he will bless you. So I gave him the money. So if one of you could ask him for that $10 back for me. No, I'm just kidding. But he did the right thing. He surrendered what was required. That's what we don't get. We think what we're giving to God is just, oh, this is just so big. This is just so much that you're asking for. But in reality, he wants to bless us, but we must meet the requirements of what he's asking us to surrender. Let's go to Genesis chapter 27. And again, I only have one more passage after this, and you can go to Cracker Barrel, wherever you're going. 
Genesis 27, verses 1 through 10. We have to learn to surrender what's required. Genesis 27, 1 through 10, this is about Jacob stealing Esau's blessing. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, my son. Yes, father, Esau replied. So listen, church, Isaac was talking to his son, the son that he wanted to bless. Say this with me, the son that he wanted to bless. So Isaac was talking to uh, Esau, the son that he wanted to bless. And here's what he said in verse 2. I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then, can you say then? So before then was the condition for the blessing. Then is a transition to here's what you will receive for being obedient. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you. Belongs to who? You, my firstborn son, before I die. Verse 5 says this. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, listen, I have overheard your father say to Esau, bring me some wild game and prepare a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Remember Mary saying that to the disciples? Do exactly as he tells you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. The rest of the story goes this way that he even made himself hairy because his brother was hairier. He put the smell of the outdoors on him because his, bro his brother was an outdoorsman and uh, the father was blind and they go through this and they say, well, you know what? You sure don't sound like my son Esau, but you kind of smell like him and you've done what I asked you to do, so here's the blessing. Here's the lesson that God's teaching me right now about this. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. So those of you that know the Lord and you know how to be blessed, don't be mad when these new ones come along who have overheard the gospel, they've overheard the good news, and they then begin to be obedient to do what you didn't do fast enough, so they receive the blessing. I'll tell this side. You've been serving God for a long time, so you know the way. You know how to be blessed, okay? So be busy doing what God said do so the blessing can be upon your house. Otherwise, there'll be new people that come in who overhear how to be blessed and their blessings will overtake your blessings because you have not been doing what has been required for you to be blessed. Knowing how to be blessed is not the same as doing what it takes to in, uh, in order to be blessed. Amen. So the lesson that we learn from this story is not that this brother was a thief. The lesson we learn from this story is that there was a way to be blessed. And it didn't matter who was obedient, even though trickery was involved. And something I just caught in this, 
And Isaac was an old man, but still, I just caught this. He asked for wild game. But what she prepared was one from the field. So the taste should have been a little bit different. So that's why we can't obey the God of our stomach, right? Let's keep going. The last one. The blessings of surrender. So then you may ask yourself after a message like this, first of all, we, gotta, we got some stuff to do. I hope you're taking notes. Uh, if not, it's on the app, okay? You can go to your app store, search New Life Lima, and then under the series entitled Radical Life, you can go to each message and look at the notes. So let's review really quick. And Kimberly, you can, she's already here. All right, radical surrender. What does it take? We have to surrender all. All to Jesus we surrender, our whole lives. We have to release our prisoners of war. And, and I, hope you, I hope you really release them, because if you don't, you stay imprisoned, okay? We have to surrender our hearts as a community of believers so that we all become one. And not just in this church. The beauty of that moment Wednesday night was that it was not just new life. It was not just Cornerstone. There were about three or four. I don't know how many churches were represented there. And they all brought their money to the front. They said, okay, we will give. We're going to believe the, 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 the word of the Lord from you. And I, I was tested because I'm like, man, Lord, you got me out here. I put myself out on the line. This, is, this looks bad. But I just have to remember what he said, right? Remember what he said. And he made that thing good. All right. We have to eliminate our excuses. Please eliminate your excuses. All right? The Bible says this. Those who know to do good and do it not, to them it is sin. So that's where all of our excuses are all the time. We know to do good, but, but oh, God, I'm tired. Or, oh, God, this money was, I was saving up for something else. Or all these excuses, it becomes sin. The next thing we have to do is surrender our total selves. That's our greatest act of worship. The next thing we must do is surrender what's required. What is God asking us for? We learn that through a, a, uh, a mortal example, uh, a carnal exam example, uh, through Isaac and Jacob and Esau. But now we're going to learn it from a divine example. There was a man named Jesus Christ that preached a sermon one time on a mountain and he's going to answer the question of what it takes to be blessed. What must we surrender in order to receive the divine blessings of the Lord? Matthew 5, verses 1 through 11 says this. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them. Remember, sometimes he fed them, but a lot of times he taught them. And remember, one of the things he told Satan was, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So it was still time for the sheep to eat, but he was giving them the words of life. If I feed you bread one time, you'll be hungry in the afternoon. But if I give you these words right now, they'll last you throughout all eternity. And so here was what the Lord was saying, how that you can be blessed. Number th verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted blessed are the meek 
for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And finally, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Blessed ones, would you please stand? I challenge you, I encourage you, I beg you to get this message in writing because you're not going to remember everything I just said. But I promise you there's a blessing attached to everything that God has asked us to surrender this morning. There is a great blessing to it. Father, I thank you for this word that you've given us today. I pray that we would radically surrender all of these things to you. Surrendering our all, all of our heart, mind, and strength for, to love you. Releasing our prisoners of war, those people who have hurt us so badly, God, that we've thrown them in the prison of our heart, not knowing that the same prison we locked them in, that we've been locked into ourselves. Surrendering our hearts to become one, not just as the local church, but as the city of Lima and the worldwide church. Surrendering our excuses, God, so that when you tell us to do something, your word says we're only sons and daughters, sons and daughters as we're led by your spirit. Surrendering ourselves, for we do not belong to ourselves. We've been bought with a price, so we give our full lives and our bodies to God. Surrendering what's acquired, help us to read your word daily, hide it in our hearts, so we will always know what is required, so we don't steal what belongs to you. And finally, God, the Beatitudes. Help us to rehearse those, God, to make sure we've got all those Bases covered so that we can receive every blessing. Father, I just pray right now, especially for the first step that you told me. I just want everyone's, everyone's eyes closed, please. And I want you to imagine right now a white flag that you can wave a white flag of surrender that you can wave. And if this message has affected you and you desire to surrender some things, especially first your prisoners of war, I want you to lift your hand high in the air, remembering that there's a white flag in it which symbolizes the forgiveness to all those people that have hurt you over the years. And God is telling me to tell you this as well. Some of you need to forgive God because you feel that he wronged you in some things. So you've been mad at God for years about certain situations. And it's time to, to wave that white flag and say, Lord, I just surrender it now to you. 
Just wave that flag. Lord, I surrender all my prisoners of war. The one who touched me inappropriately when I was young. The one who stole money. The one that borrowed money and never paid it back. The, the, the son or daughter that broke my heart. The best friend that I had. I thought they were my best friend. But where were they when I needed them the most? God, there's a lot of hurt in these lives. But Lord, we can't take any prisoners. Because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So Lord, if our freedom is tied to the forgiveness of those that hurt us, we, we release them now. We release them now. Just begin to tell the Lord, you release those that have hurt you. You release the father of your child. You release that ex wife or ex-husband. You release that boss that fired you wrongly. Just begin to release people now. It's your freedom that's on the line, not theirs. It's not their freedom that's on the line. It's your freedom. Just begin to release them. And some of you need to even forgive yourself. Oh, Lord, I've done people wrong. Lord, I didn't do the right thing in that situation. And I've been carrying around the guilt of that thing. It's time for you to even release and forgive yourself. That's just how powerful the love of God is. It's not just enough to forgive you for your sins. It's enough to forgive you for the sins that other people have committed against you as well. So Father, I just pray now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would begin to release all of our prisoners. And if you want to cry right now, please cry. Release that hurt that you've been carrying for all these years and you've made, you've kept these people responsible for that injury. When the truth is we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. When the truth is it was the devil that brought that in, uh, injury through that person. So you've got to forgive that person and put the blame on Satan and say, Lord, I, I forgive that offense, God, which they caused me. I forgive that hurt which the enemy brought through me, to me, through them. All over the building, I want you releasing people right now. There should be a great parade of people leaving your mind and leaving your heart. The teacher that said you weren't smart enough, the bully from high school, the bully from middle school, who you holding in your heart as prisoner this morning, the pastor, the elder, the people from that other church you came from. It's time to release them because as their chains drop, your chains drop. As their doors fling open, your doors fling open. Oh God, would you allow your love to overtake the offenses in this place today? Oh God, would you allow your love to erase the stains, God, that these people left on our lives? It's almost as if they sprayed graffiti all over your heart. And every time you see the person, you see that graffiti they left behind. But it's time to forgive them. Lord, as you have forgiven us, would you allow us to forgive them with the same measure of forgiveness? Ex-boyfriends and ex-girlfriends, neighbors that you've had disputes with for years, the neighbor at the old house that you used to live that you had a dispute with them. You, some of you are mad at people that your family members are mad at and you had nothing to do with the situation. It's time to release those prisoners as well. 
Lord, may there be a great assembly of prisoners that are being released from our lives this morning, God. May we forgive the co-worker that injured us, God. May we forgive all those, God. The grandmother that favored our brother or sister more than us. The aunt or the uncle that favored our brothers and sisters more than us. The parent that favored our brother and sister more than us. The dad that walked away and didn't raise us and we wondered, why don't they want me? And we became bitter and angry. Lord, let us forgive them. Let us forgive the alcoholic father or the alcoholic mother, God, who had a sickness and so they couldn't be there to love us like a normal mom or dad would. And maybe, God, they had to leave so that you could protect us, God. Sometimes God causes people to walk out on you because if they would have stayed, they would have hurt you. So God, we are not the judge, so that means we don't have all the information. You didn't tell us to put these people on trial. You just said, forgive them. Oh God, help us to forgive them. Forgive them. Let these people come to your mind one by one. From the time you were a child, you were a little girl, and they made fun of your shoes, and you never forgot about it. One by one, just say, Lord, I forgive this one. And Lord, I forgive that one. And Lord, I forgive that one. And Lord, I forgive that one. For the Bible says, love covers a multitude of sins. Well, how am I going to forgive them with the same love that you receive forgiveness of your sins for? You forgive them with the love of God. So that's what you begin to say right now. I forgive them with the love of God. I forgive that man with the love of God. I forgive that woman with the love of God. Thank you, Jesus. Surrender. It's all about surrender. The coming kingdom is greater than this one. Don't let anything tie you to this earth. Set your affections on things above, not below. Forgive them. You see, the reason some of you don't have perfect peace is because there's some people in your lives that you have not forgiven and you let them to, to agitate you and you let them stress you out. But the word of God never said that perfect relationships give us peace. The word of God says that if you would keep your mind focused on me, I will keep you in perfect peace because you trust me. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You don't repay evil with evil. Let the Lord fight your battles. He sees that you were wrong. He saw that Joseph was thrown into the pit. He saw that Joseph was sold into slavery. He saw, saw that Joseph was falsely accused and thrown into prison. He saw that Joseph was forgotten about by the baker and the cupbearer. He saw the many years, the innocent years that Joseph spent in prison, but Joseph always released them. When his brothers came to him and didn't recognize him, he said this was God's doing. And he began to weep bitterly and it says that all of Egypt knew that he was crying and what was going on. Lord, would you bring tears to our hearts, God? 
to say, I have been wrong, but God, I forgive them just as you have forgiven me. Because here's what it is, saints of God. If we can surrender that, everything else is so much easier. If you can forgive those that have hurt you deeply, it gets easier and easier to surrender the rest. 